0: If you have your Bibles, you could open to Titus chapter two. This is going to be one of our launching texts. We're going to jump over throughout the Scripture. So, but the, you know, for now we're going to start here in this particular text, Titus chapter two. And before I start, let me open our time in a word of prayer. Father God, we're so privileged and thankful that we're able to come here um, back into the church building to to hear Your Word, to sing you know, praises to You, and Lord, we ask that you can illuminate our minds and our hearts to be able to know your word. And Lord, in this particular topic, a very broad topic in terms of what the what a woman should aspire to and the woman to find, and I do pray for the fellowship group here, um, the ladies that they would seek to continue to strive to live according to your word, and I pray for the men here that if it is your will that they uh, find a spouse, that they would pursue someone of godly character. Lord, I Uh, Humble all of us, make us all um, submit our wills to your word, and may we honor you with our life. We thank you for this time in your son's name, amen. Well, just a little way to kind of bring us up to speed, we are going through the dating series for the last several months, and we're kind of reaching the end. There's only a few more left, and um, last week we talked about the man to aspire to and the man to be. And that message in particular was really to help guide some of the men here in terms of how, how do I know if I'm ready and what what does it take for me to grow into the man that the scripture tells us. And you, li- you recall I listed 10 different things and you can look back at that and listen to it if you like. And uh, Today I'm going to look at the opposite end, which is the woman to aspire to be and the woman to find. And again, much like last week's message, this is for me to really talk to you the way that, um, in a lot of ways, the way that I would talk to my kids. I have both a son and a daughter, and at some point, I would like to even go through this type of message with them in terms of you know, counseling them on how they're supposed to be the godly person that God wants them to be, and even what to find. So just know that as I'm going through this, that I am thinking of you all as almost like I'm trying to visualize if you were like my own children. How would I talk to you about this? And if something sounds a little bit more harsh, hopefully you don't take it as like, oh, the pastor doesn't like me. But it's more like, okay, here's what the Bible has to say. It's convicting me of certain things and it's causing me to, uh, to evaluate where I need to grow in and where I need to mature in. And the reality is that all of us need to grow and mature. Are there, there, all of these attributes that we talked about last week and 10 that we're going to go over today, they're not things that we'll perfect in this life. And we know that as we look at this list, it's not an exhaustive list, but these are just areas that I think are important for us in this day and age. And really, in essence, what we all hope to strive for is to be Christ-like. In our relative context, we want to be able to be like Jesus in every single way. And just, again, a reminder for you that this, you shouldn't view this as a checklist of things that I need to do in order to view myself as dateable or, or I'm now qualified, so date me. You, know, you shouldn't think of those terms. You shouldn't at least really think of it in those terms. You should think of it as, I want to do these things because these are reflections of my Savior. You should pursue Christ as the goal, and if the Lord blesses you with a spouse, then praise the Lord. But even if the Lord doesn't give you a spouse, there's much to praise the Lord for because we're being transformed to the image of his son. This list is again just general principles that you can apply, and some of them are going to be, you know, it could be both for guys and girls, just like the last message. Some of them, like ladies can apply to their lives, and some are for uh, men as well. And this is the same thing. There, there are going to be some that are more leaning towards the ladies, and then there are some that can be applied to both. But I think, again, I'm just looking at this list and I'm just trying to think of what would make us look like Christ. And in particular for the ladies, how do you be like a woman of God in a world that doesn't even know what a woman is anymore? And I know this culture is so twisted and backwards and you know, that's not how that's how the world is, that's how the world is going to be, but this but for those in the church, for those who love Jesus, who strive to live for the glory of God, your life and our all of our lives are going to look radically different. And why is it important that we submit to the word of God? And this is where we get to our text, is, I guess the launching path, Titus chapter 2. This is, should be familiar. These are just um, qualities of a, of a godly leader. And verse 3 says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. Not malicious gossip, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to to their own husband. And this is really the key, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. The point of this message and the point of the last message and really the point of every message whenever we preach to you is that you live in such a way that does not dishonour the word of God. That you know what God's Word has to say and you want to live up to that, or at least, if not, at least aspire to it. You want to grow in such a way that you that 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 your life is characterized by these attributes. Again, you're not gonna be perfect, but that should not discourage you from striving to be Christ like. These characteristics are to point you, to show you what the Bible has to say about a godly woman and what the woman that you should be looking for if you want to find a spouse. Again, just like last week's, we're going to do something similar. We're going to, I'll give you the the definition of certain phrases and then of the attributes and then I'll talk to the ladies about what to be and then I'll talk to the guys in terms of what to look for, how to discern this, what tools can they use in terms of thinking about this. Again, these are lists that ladies that you want to aspire to. And hopefully you'll see these biblical principles and you will try to aspire to the text that has, what the text has to say. And again, last week, just like the guys, they're not, uh, you know, guys, when you look at the ladies, they're not going to be perfect, just like you're not going to be perfect. So there should be a level of grace involved. So if you see like maybe, oh, you will not have seven out of the 10. That's like a C minus rating. Sorry, I'm not going to spend time with you. That's not the right attitude. You understand that all of us, if we were to to you know, look at the, all the 10 of the attributes, it's it really we fail in a lot of different ways. We can only grow in these areas. And if you, as you, and if you look at and evaluate one another, or the spouse that you want to find, or the lady that you want to become, or the lady that God wants you to become, you can at least see that the trajectory that you're in. And as you grow in these areas, you'll, you'll find that you'll be more like Christ and more in, in these attributes here. Again, this is what I would hope to share with my kids one day, and I hope to share these with you and hope that one day you can aspire to what the Bible has to say. Man, these are things that you should be looking for, knowing that there are there's no perfect lady here. And so, again, be gracious in your pursuits and just be understanding that the Lord will work in you and in the other person as well. Same thing with you ladies. When you think about the list from last week, don't think like, okay, they have to have everything 100%. I know this Asian. You know, we're generally Asian church. We like having like 100% A's. That's just, you just you know, get get over that. That's not going to happen in, this, in these things. But at least look for it to see that there might have they might some of them might be more than others, but others they can, they uh, they need to work on. And that, and that's all, like that for all of us. So the first attribute for the ladies, the woman to aspire to, the first attribute that you would like that you should have is thankfulness. And the woman that you should be looking for, men, is a lady that is filled with thankfulness. So what does thankfulness mean? It's this this, uh, conscious awareness of the benefit that you've received. And we know in terms of biblical uh, thankfulness, we know that it's particularly for God's blessing in our life. We're aware of how God is treating us. We're aware of how God's kindness is towards us. We're aware of his grace in our lives, and that's why we are thankful. Ladies, being thankful is a sign that you understand God's grace in your life. In every circumstance, you're called to be grateful. Uh, are there any areas in your life that you find it whether it's like difficult or pleasant, you know, that, you, that you're not thankful for? The scripture tells us that even the most difficult circumstances, it should, we should consider it all joy. Does right? James chapter 1 consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials? And why? It's because these trials are supposed to do something, so it'll cause you and, and sanctify you. So even in the most difficult circumstances, you can be thankful. Thankfulness is to be grateful to what the Lord has done in your life. It means that the outlook in your life is that you understand that where you are is not what you truly deserve, both in the positive and the negative. In the positive, the good things in life, you don't deserve it, and the bad things in life, you don't you don't deserve that because you deserve you deserve something even worse. Right? You understand that because of your own sinfulness, what you have, all the good things is something that is, is just divine grace. And anytime you suffer in this life, you deserve worse, because the only thing you re, you and I truly deserve is the wrath of God. So that should cause us to have an attitude of thankfulness. So how do I know if I'm not a thankful person? Well, do you complain about your life circumstances? When something does not go right in life, do you find yourself complaining and grumbling to the Lord? Grumbling is a dissatisfaction of God's sovereign plan in your life. Or when you think about your prayer life, how often are your prayers devoted to God in in terms of just revering and thankful Him or just complaining and grumbling to the Lord? I mean, it's good that you're talking at least to the Lord about your problems, but is there an attitude of thankfulness that He's so kind towards you in every single way? And this may be harder for you differently because, you know, for some of the ladies, I understand that you might, be, you might be struggling with thankfulness because some of these guys are not asking me out. You've been in the church, you've been a believer for a long time, and you've had no one seem interested in you. How can I still be thankful in this circumstance? Well, you have to understand that just because you're not where you want to be, that's not, that, 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 I mean, where you may you not want to be, that's where God wants you to be. And that should give you the level of comfort because you need to try to maximize that singleness. The Lord hasn't called you away from singleness, and he may not for some of you in this entire lifetime. And you need to see it as a privilege that the Lord has seen in your life worthy enough to endure whatever trials. And in this particular case, for some of you, is you get to live your life as a single person for the glory of God. And for others of you, as you're waiting for someone to ask you out or pursue you, whatever you know, dating model that you want to use, You're trusting in the Lord and thanking him that for the time that you have now until potentially when you do get married, that you can use whatever resources you have to its fullest for the glory of God. Thankfulness is linked with contentment, and the opposite is also true as well. Thanklessness is linked with discontentment. When you think about why you're always grumbling and not thankful in life, it's probably because you don't is because you're, not, you're dissatisfied with what's going on in your life. If you're always looking at what you do not have or comparing yourself to other people, you'll find that the reason why you're discontent is because you just aren't thankful to the life that God has given you. Thankfulness is, in a lot of ways, it's an acquired skill, just my, like contentment. Uh, Paul says that he has to learn the secrets of contentment. That means that it's not something that comes naturally. You have to learn to be thankful. Just like everything else in this, like, in this list, you need to make a, like, an effort to look for the goodness of God in every circumstance of your life. Now, how does this play out if you're not a thankful person in a relationship? Well, you'll always want something more. you always want something to be changed. You'll not be joyful because you always want something different. So whether well, that means material things or how come things aren't this way or how come I can't have that or even marital things. Why can't my husband be more like this? At the, at, at the heart of both of them is a the heart of discontentment. It's is dissatisfaction in how the Lord has structured your life. If you let that heart attitude unchecked and then thanklessness, then, then a thankless material person will constantly want to strive to buy and have more things. And in, in the context of marriage, you may end up even desiring another spouse. Thanklessness is connected to discontentment. But thankfulness is constantly aware of God's kindness in your life. It could only be achieved if you are a humble person. You are constantly in, 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 in awareness that God has been so kind to you in ways that you do not even deserve. All that you have, every breath that you have, is because of God's kindness in your life. He lets you live, and that's already a divine grace in and of itself. He saved you from the wrath that is to come by sending his son and dying in your place That is just divine mercy. And what you don't have is because God doesn't believe that's what's best for you at the moment. Men, when you're thinking about pursuing someone, you need to be aware that this person, if she's unthankful in her singleness, that she's going to be unthankful as a spouse. Remember that if thankfulness is linked with contentment, then ask questions about how she thinks about life. Be intentional. Ask about what you know. What do you see in her life? Some sort of unthankful disposition or discontent attitude towards the Lord, whatever it may be. You know, as you get to know this other person, they're going to share with you about their life. And are, are do they have the attitude of thankfulness even when things are difficult? Are they thankful, or are they constantly wishing that they're in a different circumstance? And if you see that, you can shepherd her. And talk to her about it and even point that out, that, you know, this is maybe an area that you need to work on. Not only is the woman that you want to aspire to someone that's thankful or the woman to find someone that's filled with thankfulness, but second, you want to find, you want to aspire to kindness or you want to find a woman that is kind. Here's how I'm going to define kind, kindness. Kindness is to show brotherly love towards one another maybe you no know other words you could describe it as this natural disposition of just generousness uh, biblically we know that because god was kind towards us that we need to be kind to other people it is actually the lord's kindness that leads us to repentance this is romans chapter 2 verse 4 or do you think lightly of the richness riches of his kindness and tolerance, and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Kindness can be applied in many ways, but it's really evident in our life when God has shown kindness to us by saving us, by, by, by rescuing us, even though we do not deserve it. That is part of God's kindness towards us, and, and we know if, that, if we understand that, then that attitude that we have towards other people must be filled with kindness, Kindness is one of the the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You should be familiar with this list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, there's a link between the way that you forgive each other and kindness. Because if you're not kind, you're not going to forgive. And the reason why you don't forgive is because you're not kind. And that is going to be a big deal in the context of a relationship. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, it reads, Be... uh, Verse 5, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. See, our Lord is kind to even wicked people like us, and then that should make us want to be kind to other people. Ladies, much like last week, like I said, when I talk about being self-sacrificial, sacrifice isn't true sacrifice without pain. And kindness is not true kindness if you can't put up with people's flaws. There are probably some areas in the guy's life that you may think, oh, that guy is so immature or childish. They may act like an idiot, and that makes them undateable. I understand, that's not a very kind attitude. You know, kind attitude, I'm not saying that you should date like a loser, but I am, thinking, I am saying that like, the way that you view people and their mistakes, there should be a level of grace and kindness because that's how the Lord views us. He sees us, he sees how we are undeserving of that kindness, yet he still shows it to us. And also just know for the fact that all guys in general are pretty dumb, so if you want a marriage to work, you need to be kind. Just ask all the husbands. They can tell you that their wives are the kindest person that they ever met because of the fact that they put up with them. Now men, how can I know that she's a kind person? Well, you'll know very quickly because if, again, if you're like me, you're an idiot and you're going to make mistakes. And the fact that she's still willing to forgive you and be kind towards you, it's already a really sign that she is a kind person. Or just even look at how she treats other people. Observe how she interacts with those that are difficult to interact with, those that you may not want to be kind to. How How does this person engage? Now again, the things here, Men, you understand that you want to apply to your lives as well. You can't be unkind and they expect the, your significant other to be kind. You want to lead by example in that way. But one way you can tell if she's kind is the way that she talks and engages with other people. What, are, what is her disposition to those that are unlovely? Because if, if she is kind to those that are unlovely, then you, then, you, then you know that she has some sort of understanding of how God is kind to those that are unlovely people like you and I. So that's the second one, kind. Third, the woman to aspire and the quality you want to have is modesty. And the woman that you want to find, hopefully she is a modest person. For this one, you could turn to First Timothy chapter 2. Now, I, I know that when I bring up this topic, it can be very uncomfortable to everyone here. And, and particularly for me, and I'm just going to say that this is probably my shortest point um, because of the the nature of this topic, and this is where one I would, I would advise that if you, you might want to have some, like another godly, the older lady that can help figure out what that looks like in your life, but just know in principle this is what the Bible has to say about modesty. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by the means of good works as, as is proper for women making claim to godliness. Now, in the context of this particular chapter, you know, gold and all the jewelry and everything, these are caused to be distraction in the church. It's not saying that if you wear gold jewelry, if you have these things, that is inherently sinful. But apparently there are those in the church in this time that, that wanted to wear and have good things to draw attention to themselves. They want to be known by the riches. They want to be known a certain way. They want to draw the attention to themselves as opposed to trying to live life to draw others to the Lord. Again, what does the word modesty mean? And I think it's just dress in a way that is appropriate. When we think of the word modesty, there's really two ways to think about it, right? It's, it's when you dress ladies that tend to dress inappropriately or act in a certain way. I had a friend that... Um, He was trying to shepherd his daughter through this. She was, I think, like five or six years old. And they were talking about, you know, why you need to dress a certain way because you don't want to be immodest. And he brings her into a train one day, and she sees this other lady, and she looks at her. And in front of everyone in the train, she says, Daddy, she's immodest, like super loud, and everyone heard it. And the dad was like, okay, I got to, next time I'm out of here, and he just runs off. You know, little kids, you can teach them and shepherd them. They know what what immodest means. And I think in our culture, there's a tendency to want to dress in a way that draws attention to the flesh. And this is not something that is honorable to the Lord. It doesn't honor the Lord when people dress immodestly. If you dress in a way that is revealing, you'll draw certain attention from men that, that probably will want you for ungodly reasons. So how do I know if I'm dressing modestly? Here's, here's how I'm going to answer. I, I love this quote. R. Kent Hughes, he, he, he's, he wrote Disciplines of God Godly Man. His wife had this quote. It's called the prepositional rule. And when it comes to modesty, he said this is the prepositional rule uh, when it comes to modesty. She said, if a guy can see through your clothes or over and down to your clothes and see your flesh or under you and look up and see, your, uh, and see you, then it's probably immodest. So however that looks like, that's just what you, I think that's a good principle to follow, the, the prepositional principle. How do you know if you're immodest? Just think about that. Look at your wardrobe and figure that out or talk to a, a godly lady. Now for men, understand that if you are drawn to people that are dressed immodestly, that's the only thing that you're into. then Just understand that that that's not really a good relationship because eventually... Beauty is vain. It's going to pass away. And that's the thing that you're drawn to. Then if someone else comes into your life, someone else in the church or in your work or classroom that dresses immodestly, then your gaze is going to be away from your spouse and onto that other person. So, you know, if you're drawn to immodest people, that's something wrong with your own heart. That's something that you need to work on. And also, the second thing is that ladies are not in charge of your purity. So even if a lady was came into the church and wore like a like a sleeping bag, you can still struggle with lust because the issue of the lust is not what other people are wearing, but what's going on in your own heart. If you can't win the uh, the battle in public, it's probably because you're not winning the battle in your own heart. A person who falls into sexual sin can lust after anyone, even if they're wearing the most modest clothing. So this point, the third point, ladies, if you, you want to aspire to modesty, and however that looks like, uh, uh, it's going to look different. I know from culture to culture, it's going to look different, and even generationally it might look different, but just understand that what the Scripture speaks of in terms of modesty is something that you need at least taken in, into consideration. So fourth, the woman to aspire and the woman to find is that someone that has sound in speech, that they have sound speech. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Woman must likewise <coughs> be dignified, not malicious, gossips, but tempered, faithful in all things. Again, this is much like last week's sermon when I talked about, to the guys about taming the tongue. It's the same principles here, is that you're not someone that, that speaks in a way that's dishonorable, and here's the definition of what a sound of speech is. Because the definition in the, in the, in the, in the Greek here is, is this idea of healthy speech. It's words that are helpful. It's, it's clean. It's, it's encouraging to people. And ladies, it seems like, biblically, that the sound of speech talks about a lot, a lot of ways in terms of the just discernment in the way that you talk or not talk about. Again, the same principle from last week about the Guys. Here in particular, it's not malicious gossip. It means that you know it's not a slanderer. It's not someone that is double speak. They don't say one thing to one person and another thing to another. And the and the opposite of the word is someone that speaks truth. Remember that we learned from last week that when it comes what comes out of your mouth is an outflow of your own heart. So what you talk about and what you like to talk about is actually revealing what's in your own heart if you like to talk negatively about others or you like to compare yourself as other, or you like to judge other people, that's because that's what's going on in your own heart. Now, man, how can you discern this? Just listen to how, what she talks about. If, she's, if you find her gossiping about other people, well, just know, guess who she'll be gossiping about once, once you guys are married? It's going to be you. If she's complaining about other people, then once you guys are married, she's going to be complaining about you. You want to find someone that has a heart that, that has control over their their tongue, that they're able to, uh, they, when they're speaking, that is, it's what Colossians three talks about, about having um, the word the word the word season with salt, so that they can know the right things to say at the appropriate time. That's the fourth point. Fifth, and I read this earlier, uh, just at first, is that. Uh, it's temperate. The woman to aspire to be is a woman that's temperate. Look back at uh, that same verse, First Timothy 3, verse 11. It says, woman, like, woman must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossip, but temperate, faithful in all things. This word temperate means level-headedness. It's, it's this idea that she has self-control. It's often described as someone that's avoiding drunkenness. You know, they're sober-minded in that way. Ladies, this is an expectation for you not to be driven by your circumstances or even your emotions. A temperate person is someone that is in control of their emotions. It's not to say that you cannot have emotions and not to say that you can't feel things, but that you're not guided in making choices strictly based on whatever's going on around you. You are in control of your emotions and it's not the other way around. The lady that you want to be aspired to that you want to aspire to is someone that has a biblical mindset and, to th- and know how to think things objectively. Again, it's not to say that you can't have emotions, just that you're guided by the word of God and you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're not guided by the things of the world and not moved by your emotions. This is what you want to be. And again, this is what all Christians are supposed to be. All Christians are, are, are called to strive to, to think clearly. This, is the, this qualification is actually in the context of deacons. It's also in that of an elder as well, that they, they can think clearly, that they're sober-minded. And why is that? Because we're, we think in the objective world. We live in truth. The Bible tells us how we need to live life, and that's how we're supposed to live life. And, that, and we need to be know God's word in order for, for us to, to be temperate in this life. Men, as you get to know the significant person, just look at how she reacts to things in life. When she talks about her circumstances or, or making life decisions, is she driven by truth or is she just kind of dri- driven by just emotions? You know, When she makes a decision, or you know, is it, is, it, is it thought out? Is it something that is driven by just how she feel about things or is it actually thinking like, okay, this is logically, it makes sense? Then that's just the some of the things that we can see in terms of what it means to be temperate. Again, men, this is you as well. You need to be temperate in order to discern whether or not the other person is, is temperate. You need to be sober-minded to, in order to tell if the other person is sober-minded as well. So think. You know, ask questions. You know, if, they ask, if they're ask, if they thinking about a career, ask them, you know, what. why do you want to do this? Why do you, what, what's driving you to, to find a job? Or if they want to leave their job, ask them, why, why do you want to leave this job? Ask questions about what's guiding her thinking. And that's the same as was for us men as well. Now at this point in the message, I do wanna to go to another passage and this is probably the one that you guys are all thinking about, Proverbs thirty one. And I'm gonna spend the rest of the message here in Proverbs thirty one. So please turn there. The rest of the message is gonna just I'm just gonna draw some of the other points from here. Proverbs thirty one is probably notorious for really the showing us the woman that is the total package. She is everything that the Bible speaks of in terms of what makes a godly woman. Biblically, she is the gold standard. This is what the, uh, the, the, the noble woman looks like. Proverbs one. it doesn't show in the English, but it's actually in this particular portion um, from verse 10 to the end of the book, it's an acrostic. Uh, every verse begins with a different Hebrew alphabet. And the reason why it's written this way is to show you that the total... It's just like how he's trying to use the totality of all the Hebrew letters. He's showing you that this is the totality of a godly woman. And it seems to indicate that this person is hard to find and is hard to be. Verse 10 here, And an excellent wife who can find for worth is far above jewels. This is someone that is very rare to find. It is very unique. It's it's something that is acquired. It takes time to become. And just understand that this lady does not happen overnight. This is something that's just a character that she's developed and and is constantly doing these things. Which leads to our sixth point. A woman that you want to aspire to be is a trustworthy person. You want to be known as trustworthy. How I define trustworthy is this way. Someone that's just reliable, faithful. They're truthful with their life. Look at verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. The husband here is it trusts his own wife. This verse highlights her excellence. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 11 talks about how a woman needs to be faithful in all things. And this is the same idea here. That she is faithful in every area. She's completely reliable. And the the husband here has her complete trust in her. Now, this is obviously like trust in terms of there's a limit to that. obviously the person trusts the Lord the most. But in terms of everything that's going on in in the household and in life, he he trusts her because he sees like this is God's blessing in her life, in his life. So ladies, some of you are like this already. You are very trustworthy and you are very reliable. And some of you may need to work on this. You want to aspire to be this faithful, reliable lady in every area of your life, to develop in your life a character that is reliable. So if you say that you'll do something, follow through with it. If you say you'll keep a secret, then keep a secret. If you say you're gonna do this ministry, then go and, and do it. Do the small things in your life well so you can develop a character so that when the big things come in life, then you're going to be reliable in those areas as well. You know, you're a reliable friend. When you say that you're going to pray for them, are you praying for them? Um, do you do what you say, say that you said? not to do? Are you a consistent person? Well, that's what makes you reliable. A reliable person is someone that people can just go to. And this is what this lady is described as. This person is more valuable than jewels. She's described as, as, as so trustworthy that her, the heart of her husband trusts in her. And he, and he will not have any, no lack of gain. I Meaning he's not, there's nothing in his life that he's not going to gain because of her. He will gain all these uh, things in life because of, of how wise her husband, her his, his wife is. I Man, this is one of those characteristics that you want to look for, but how? And again, one example would be if she is someone that other people can trust. You know, observe, who are the people that, that, that counts on her, Does she have parents that, she, that, that, that you know relies on her to take care of them? That's a good thing to have. Don't see it as like a burden. oh why doesn't she, she spend time with me? Why is she always taking care of her family? No that's a good thing. That's, that shows that she's a reliable person. If she's doing a certain ministry, if she's consistent in those areas, that should be something that you, that you want to praise and encourage and thank the Lord for because that's a good thing that shows that she's reliable. Look for the things in her life and just look at how she prioritizes her life. Because you can't be reliable if you're not disciplined. You have to make your life a certain way so that people can count on you. And this is what you want to look for in a spouse. And this is what the spouse that you want to aspire to be. Seventh uh, attribute of a woman that that she should aspire to is hardworking. A woman that you want to find, men, you want to find a hardworking woman. Look at verse 13. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. This is to say that she's working hard, and back in the, the ancient, ancient Near East, they would use whatever time they have to, to, to build and, and make, um, you know, spinning wool and making clothing. In verse 19, you'll see that it says she stretches out her hands to the to staff. Uh, and her hand grasps the spindle. Verse 22, it says that she makes a covering for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Verse 24, she makes a linen garment and sells them <coughs> and it supplies belts to the tradesmen. She works hard with her hands. This lady here, this lady that uh, Proverbs 31 describes as really, the again, the gold standard, is someone that works very hard. And in the ancient Near East, this type of virtue I mean, mean, this is a feminine virtue. The the Jewish people understood this, that this is what a a godly woman looks like. They work hard. They're not wasting their time. They prioritize work. Again, this is, again, similar to what I said about last week to the guys. You want to make sure that you work hard, just like the ladies. You need to make sure that you work hard as well. Again, this principle here, it's not so much like, oh, all you now need to be like, you buy a sewing machine, you know, that's not what this, uh, I'm trying to get at. But just look at the principle here is that she works hard. She not only provides for her own family, but it seems that she, make, she makes so much she's able to sell it. Verse 14, she's like a merchant ship. This isn't just t- talk about her size or anything like that. This just speaks of her ability to just provide for other people. This is in verse 14, she brings f- her food from afar She she rises also while it's still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. This does mean that she cares for other people. Verse 17, she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. This is a Hebrew idiom of having great endurance and stamina, that she works hard. She she, She can go long stretches of work, and this is just the attribute of a godly woman. Ladies, if you want to be... A wife, a good wife, and a good mother—you have to know that it takes work. Don't look at, you know, reality TV shows like, "Oh, I could do, I could do that. I could work 30 minutes, you know, a, a day." That's not how real life is. It takes work. It takes work to maintain a marriage. It takes work to maintain a household of children. It's not easy, but it's considered godly if you take care of your family. If you ask any mom here, if you ask any wife here, they will tell you that in order to do to, to, to take care of family, it takes work. And men, you want to look for a lady that works. Whether that means she's working a secular job or doing ministry or she's going to school, look for a person that's just disciplined in their work. Find someone that knows how to use their time and use their skills well. Observe how she uses her time that God has given her. If this lady is a student, just just watch and see how she studies. Does she prioritize studying? That's good. Does she make time for worship? That's good. You know, is their life balance? But when she's working is, she working, is she all in? Is she working hard? That's what you want to look for in a godly wife. Our eighth point is, this, is that she is considerate. She thinks about other people. I just read earlier that she makes things. Uh, she was able to make food not only for her household, but also for her maidens. So she's thinking and making food about other people. Now considerate, it's just this. The definition is just she's, she's someone that just thinks about other people. She doesn't think about what's easy for her. She's considerate. She's always thinking about what other people are doing, needs of others. Verse 20, she extends her hands to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Now, scarlet is a very unique, it's basically. Um, a very expensive fabric. And the idea is that she knows what's needed and she gets those materials to take care of her family. She, she knows how to take care of them and her whole family is closed with scarlet. you know, just her immediate family, but also those that are in need. She works so hard that she has such an abundance of things that she can take care of other people. She works for her family and helps others as well ladies being considered requires you to think less of yourself it requires you to ask god for grace to be able to do the task that it is very difficult it's not easy to think about other people because we're always so tempted to think about ourselves we have always our self interest in mind it's our natural disposition to put our needs above other people proverbs describes a godly woman as someone that is always putting the needs of others before themselves Again, in the context of marriage, it isn't easy to put the needs of others on your own. Are there those in your life that you're thinking to care for? But yet, when you think about this, this is exactly like our Savior. Who, our Savior, who was willing to live a very uncomfortable life. Like he was from the heavens above. He, was, he had angels uh, you know, singing praises to him. And then he came down to, to live and breathe the dust of the earth. He died a very uncomfortable death. And why did he do all this? He did this because he loved the church. And what drives you to work hard and to be considerate of other people is that you love them. you got to be considerate the way Christ is, how he, 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 he laid down his own life for the sheep. Men, on the side note, this doesn't mean that you are lazy and that you find someone that's just really constantly catering to you. Uh, just, it's just, you know that's just a side note. Don't, don't be like the slob. And if, that, and, if, and if a slob is interested in you, ladies, you can say no and say, hey, this is what you need to work on in a kind and loving way. And again, guys refer to the hard, hardworking point from last week. But you understand, ladies, that you want to work hard. And guys, you want to find someone that is hardworking, that always meets the needs of other people. Look for the one that's willing to go above and beyond so that other people's needs are met not just for the people that she likes, but even those that are con- just constantly throughout her life. That's point number eight. Nine is that she has foresight. The woman to aspire is someone is a lady that has foresight. And the woman to find is someone that she's able to, to, to have foresight. Now, this doesn't mean that she's like a witch doctor or something that she can look into the future. Or, you know, like, hey, do you have one of those magic balls? That's not what foresight means. But foresight, here, here's how I'm going to define it, is living life with the anticipation of tomorrow. You, a godly woman, from a godly perspective here, is like someone that just plans well and works hard, and, but at the same time know that God is in absolute control and can change those plans. This is somewhat related to hard work. As you see in Proverbs 31, verse 21, she is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She's not afraid because everyone is prepared, and the reason why they're prepared is because she she placed, she <coughs> got everything that they needed to be taken care of. This is someone that understands, just looking at the seasons, looking at what's going on in life, and knows how to meet those needs of those that are in his life. This is foresight here, it's because of that hard work that she has that she, in verse 25, says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She's not worried because she di- she knows, ultimately she, she trusts the Lord, but in the time that the Lord gave her, she was a good steward of all that she has. She works hard. There isn't a fear of circumstance. She doesn't overreact to things that happen because she's planned it. She did her best to plan all the contingencies that there need to be. Now, this isn't speaking of just overly obsession and trying to be control of everything. It's just understand that like, as a person of character, you know that there, you want to develop a character and attribute to, to be able to navigate through life. Ladies, it's good to think ahead and work for the future. And again, obviously, there are things that you will not know and you you will never be able to know, but you want to develop at least certain characters and habits that will help you prepare for the future. Students, for you, that means that you want to find a major that's actually helpful, that's that's useful, that you can actually use in life. Don't major in something, I know I'm going to say something that's almost blasphemous to Asian parents, but... College may not be for all of you. Don't waste your money on a degree that you're not gonna use. On you know you're not gonna use a degree. Don't go. You might as well find something that you'll that's that's actually more helpful for you. But if you're gonna you know, get, spend all the time getting a degree, use that degree. However it looks like in your life, you know be wise in that way. Look to the future. Just don't think about what's only ahead of you, but think beyond that. For those that are. Working, work hard at your job and you know learn to save and invest so that you can benefit others in the long run or even your future ministry and families. If you're a mother here, think about the child that you want to raise up and think about practical ways that you can shepherd them to get them there. But again, in all of these things, just know that God isn't sovereign and control and he can remove those things as well. You want to look forward to the future, but know <clears throat> but know that ultimately God is in complete control. Men consider what she thinks about? What are there things that she aspires to? Are there godly things? If she's saying, I want to I want to go into the mission field, and it's like, oh, how are you going to, about that? And then she lays out some ideas of what she wants to do. That's a good thing. Um, you know, Whatever she thinks about work or life, whatever, she, what does she think about in the future? Don't find the person that's just constantly just kind of going from back and forth, but just have no idea what the future holds. It doesn't have to be exact, doesn't have to know every little detail, but at least she's thinking beyond the moment that she's looking at the things of the world and things around her she's looking at her gifts and she's thinking about how you just just have someone has foresight that's what you want to look for in a godly wife now our last point is this the godly woman should aspire to have this and that is really the should be the and this is really the main thing and that is fear of the lord and the and the woman that you want to find men is someone that fears the Lord. Look at the last two verses of this book. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the products of her hands and let her work and let her works praise her in the gates. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? You live life for the glory of God. Ladies, this is and should be the most important thing about you more than the fact that you're hardworking, more than the fact that you have discernment in what you say, more than all the things they can do, the thing that uh, you need to think more about, more than your talents, your ability, and your skills, is that you are known as someone that fears the Lord. If someone was to ask, can you tell me about so-and-so, hopefully the first thing that comes to their mind is that this person loves Jesus, or this person fears the Lord, or this person is godly. Consider how much you think about in terms of just how you present yourself physically or socially, and all that, and you compare uh, about how your walk with the Lord. Which one would you say you spend more of your time on? Do you spend more your time thinking about what you look like, or how you um, are socially, or do you care about who you are in the Lord? Notice here in verse three, it says, "Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain." This uh, this word "charm" is just it's, it's just this concept of 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 um, just being friendly, you know, like you're really good at making uh, small talk, or you're really good at, at luring people to, to start start conversation. That's what charm is. You, you can draw a crowd. He's saying that this is deceitful. It's deceptive. It can, it's deceptive because it can you be, you know, it's it can be fabricated. It's not real. You know, some people are very good socially, but in private they're really you know terrible at the uh, uh, terrible. And then God here is saying that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. This is, again, this goes up to the modesty thing. I'm not saying that you cannot dress nicely. It's just that understand that beauty is vain, it's fleeting, it's not going to last. It's something that it will just, it's like the word vain here is what the same word that's used in Ecclesiastes it's about vapor. It just comes and goes. And I know that's horrifying to some of you ladies here. Like, what do you mean? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look like this? Well, yeah, because you're going to look older at some point, things are going to get more wrinkly you're going to get older you're going to have gray hairs but the but notice that at the end of this verse says, "But a woman who fears the lord she shall be praised this is what you want to be because the thing that will transcend your charm or your beauty is going to be your love for the lord your fear of the lord and men this is what you need to look for men find someone that's marked by the fear of the lord most of you are probably most of you probably know someone that is actually characterized by that Like they are known as someone that loves Jesus, but you're not drawn to them because you are looking for the most charmful person or the most attractive person. You're looking at the superficial things. And God is saying that this lady that fears the Lord, she is rare, she's a rare person to find. But yet interestingly enough, and I'm gonna say this as an encouragement to you ladies, a lot of you are like that. When you look at the world, you may not find that, but it's actually in the church And fellas, I know some of you are struggling. Who should I ask out? There might even be someone in this church. Because there are a lot of godly ladies here that truly loves the Lord, but your focus is on the wrong thing. It's really for you. Don't look at their charm. Don't look look at their beauty. Look at someone who truly fears the Lord. Because all the other nine things I talked about is only going to happen if this person loves and fears God. How many of you are passing up these sisters that the bible is describing as more valuable than any precious stone and just waiting for someone that is more attractive or more fun and more to you know this is easy to get along with if you were to honest, honestly ask yourself what kind of woman you're looking for how many of you will honestly and truly say that you believe in your heart that the only thing that matters to me is that she loves jesus because if that's the case then marriage in the church should be easy because there are a lot of godly people. Now, were you willing to put aside those preferences, whether the looks or hobbies or whatever, to describe what God described as important? Again, God said that a precious, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. You can't. It, you can't find someone like this, or at least if you do, it's, you need to cherish that person because it's very rare. It's hard to find someone that, is, that has these attributes. Consider what is most important to God, and that is someone that fears him. So men, look for someone that fears the Lord. And ladies, be that person that fears the Lord. Again, this list is not exhaustive. It's not, it's, it's just some of the things that I pulled out as I think about where we are as a church and where we are as a culture in light of everything. And this is just some of the practical things that you can think about and work on this week. And, and really, you're, you want to aspire to be the man that God wants you to be. This doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. If you look at all 10, I think some of you have some of these. Some of you are struggling with others and that's totally fine. But if you strive to be the lady that God wants you to be, I trust that you will be more precious than, than jewels, that your worth will be more precious than anything that this, that this world has to offer. And men, when you're looking for someone, look for these attributes. You know, These are good things to have because that's revealed in scripture. If you went along and, and a marriage is filled with joy, find someone that is godly. Notice that this list, I didn't talk about the fact that they need to look a certain way or they have to be funny or anything like that. I just said that they need to ultimately fear the Lord. But if you look at this list, check your own heart. What are, are these list things that you're looking for? Or there something, or is there like another list in your mind that is really controlling the way you think? And are, and are those things biblical? I just list out some of these tenders, obviously, more. And if you can derive from the Bible attributes of a godly woman and more than the ones I have, that's totally fine. But if they're not on the list, if they're not in the scriptures, then that's probably something that you to learn to get rid of. Or at least be willing to let go of. Because there again, finding the godly woman is way more is way better than finding that someone that is charm charming or beautiful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we know that we are all superficial in so many ways. Lord, may we have a right mind in the way that we approach life and the way that we think about our life. Lord, do pray for them, the ladies here as they think about how um, they need to grow in their walk, that these attributes that's revealed in Scripture, these characteristics, are things that they would aspire to become, knowing that it's only by your grace that they can grow in these areas. Lord, convict them of sin in any way. If there's any shortcomings or things that are inconsistent, may you mold them to be like the woman that you want them to be. Lord, I do pray for the men as well, that you would challenge them to evaluate their own hearts, those that seek to find things that you might even find as detestable. Lord, I pray that you can allow them to have a biblical framework in terms of what they need to look for in a spouse. Lord, I do pray that whatever stage of life they're in and whether or not you will provide them a spouse or not, that I pray that at the end that there is a contentment and joy in you, knowing that this life it's not our own to live, that the reason why we want to pursue marriage is not because it was for our own um, prestige or pleasure or anything like that, but because it's just a privilege for you to represent uh, you in this particular context. Lord, help us be content in our circumstance, no matter where we are, and may we glorify you with our life. Thank you in your son's precious name. Amen.